You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. So my lovely wife, Pam. Yes, my dear. Right out of the gate for this episode of Sexy Marriage Radio. Did you realize that with iTunes, I mentioned earlier, they have recategorized the way podcasts are now uh, separated as far as the different categories. They've just come through a little more clean Okay. Uh, line and more specific on the categories. Yeah, and and just trying. I think they're just trying to keep up with society with all the different uh, messages that are out there and shows that mm-hmm. are out there. And so again, Sexy Merch Radio is staying under the whole health and lifestyle, and then specifically the subcategory of sexuality. Okay. But it's cleaned everything up to where uh, right now, thanks to the Sexy Merch Radio Nation. Uh, Sexy Marriage Radio was repeatedly staying right in the top five or Sweet. so of nice. the sexuality category in, in iTunes. And sometimes we'll drop to six, seven, or eight. Okay. But we stay up there. And so all that's to say uh, thank you to the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation. Yeah. And help us stay there. Subscribe. Um, if you're not already on iTunes, uh, leave a comment and a review. That helps us spread the word. Mm-hmm. And expand the audience of the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation because if you listen to this show, you're a part of the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation. Yeah. So welcome. welcome. <laughs> Where you been all our lives. <laughs> um, the other thing you can do is let us know what's on your mind with any kind of question, uh, comment, thought that you would like to have covered. Uh, we've tried to set up a scenario where if you've got a question about your marriage or your sex life that you don't know where else to ask because you're not going to bring it up around the dinner table or a family function, or a life group at church, or some other co-worker's relationship that you might have, give us a call, 214-702-9565, because we want to um, answer what's on your mind. Yeah. That's what's helped create the show to be what it is today. You can also email us, feedback at sexymergeradio.com, because we want to know what's going on in your world, because we tell you what's going on in ours some. Yeah. And we also want to just steer it so that everybody's better and, and facing the struggles that happen in their marriage, which are bound to happen. Mm-hmm. Let's face it with the best of us yep. so that we can be all that we can be. So coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio, um, we've got one of your questions and our answer. And then I'm also going to do a, a pop quiz on my wife about what do you know about sex? Okay, so I'm just asking for some grace here because I might look like a fool. But um, yeah, so tune in for that. Yeah, absolutely. That will be coming up soon. And then coming up on the extended version of Sexy Marriage Radio, which is deeper, twice as long, and there's no ads, you can subscribe at smrnation.com. Pam and I are going to have an in-depth conversation about what's the difference between arousal and desire. Right. There's some new research that's come down uh, this year and... There's some different findings that are kind of uh, cool to think through and explore. How does this impact us and what can we do with it? Mm-hmm. So all that's coming up on today's show. Okay, Pam. So this is a segment we're going to do every so often. Um, no time frame on it, but there's just a, uh, do you think you're a sexpert? 
is is kind of the way we can think of and it. And I'm the one that's getting quizzed on this. Yes. Okay, everybody out there, you have to take this quiz too. Yes. And answer this. Yeah. This and see if you're as uh, genius or as stupid as I am. <laughs> we'll see which one that is. Okay. So uh, this is just ten questions. Uh, follow along wherever you are and see what you can get. Okay. Um, right or wrong. Uh, there's no judgment All right, here. This is all for educational purposes only we'll and possibly even some entertainment purposes only. Entertainment, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so question number one, Pam. The size of the average erect penis is oh, gosh, four had... to six inches, okay. six to eight inches, or eight to ten inches. Okay, you've had that on a previous show. Mm-hmm. And someone's going to email in with the episode number because maybe so. Know that I, for some reason, I had in my head that it was like right at the six, six or six point five. Okay. Inches. So that so, would put you in the category of wanting to go the six to eight, I or you want to so. go the low side of that with the four to six. I'm thinking I'm going with the low side, actually. The four okay, to the six. four to six. You would be correct. <gasps> One for one. Okay. Question number two. Does sex burn as many calories as running a mile does? Yes or no? I guess that depends on who the lover is, right? <laughs> True. The so wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And this, there's no. not qualifications to it on, okay, what type of sexual encounter are we talking about? This is just a generic... Um, so I realize I would the say, formation of yeah, the question leaves a lot of interpretations. If, if, but if I go through all that, I'm going to say yes. Again, two for two. All right. Well done. Question number three. How many nerve endings does the clitoris have? 8,000, 40, or 4,000? 8,000. Three for three. Look at you. Look at that. You were well on your way to okay. sexpert status. We've got a new title that can be put at your office as a CPA. Everybody will be like, uh, I thought I was getting text All right, information right. Here. I'm not sure I want to meet with her. <laughs> Question number four. Can using two condoms provide extra protection? Uh, well, I guess using 100 provides extra protection too, right? But I don't know that you'd get any more protection than one. So I'm going to say no. Correct. No, it does not provide any extra protection. Question number five. A teaspoon of semen contains how many calories? Two, five, or eight? Oh, this is just a wild gut. I'm going to say two. Actually, it's a little bit more than that. It contains five calories. Okay. So if you're not sure if you're at calorie intake for the day, this is the way you can track <laughs> it. Because I don't that. know if that's on any kind of one of those lifestyle apps. If you're really measuring right. all your calories for the I'm day. I'm putting in my chips and salsa and guacamole <laughs> and my semen and intake. And your semen intake, yes. Okay. Okay. Question number six. What is the time in which an average man ejaculates before, during sex? Five and a half, five point four minutes, five point five minutes, or ten point two minutes. I'm sorry. What was the first? What were the first two? Five point four or five point five or Re- ten. <laughs> yep. Five point five. Uh, close. Five point four. Okay. Yeah, the wording on that one's like okay. That's a I could I could do better. So 
I'm counting that as right. And maybe that's what he could be saying, too. I could do better. I could do better. (laughs) (laughs) Question number seven. What percentage of men and women are consistently able to achieve orgasm with their partner? Okay. So this one, you're going to have to listen through because there's three choices. Okay. So 75% of men and 29% of women. 80% of men and 25% of women. 60% 60% of men and 40% of women. I think it's the last one, 60 and 40. 60, 40? Yeah. Okay. It's actually 75, 29. It's the very first one. Okay. Is that's how many, uh, the percentage of men and women are consistently able to achieve orgasm. Hence, the reason we've done a couple of episodes in the past, particularly one not too, not too distant past mm-hmm. on the orgasm gap. Yeah. That's a huge difference yeah so between 80 guess, 80 30 right. well 875 25 75. however you you know but so it's just the key there i guess is the word consistently achieve yes yeah okay. yeah okay question number eight how many men experience premature ejaculation between 20 to 30 percent between 35 to 40 percent or between five to ten percent I think the first one, the 20 to 30. You would be correct, ma'am. Finally got another one Between, right. She's back in the winning category again. <laughs> I'm not even keeping track of it. Darling. I'm not either. I okay. lost track. <laughs> <laughs> have to go back and listen to this when I it know. airs, and we'll tell you how you Someone did. Someone email us and tell me. All right. Question number nine. What is the most effective contraceptive device or option out there? Okay. So you have the contraceptive pills. Yeah. Condoms or diaphragms. Which is the most effective? The pill, a condom, or the diaphragm? Uh, again, I'm just taking a total stab in the dark on this one. I'm guessing the condom. No, it would be the pill. Okay. The contraceptive pill. Because that's what actually blocks the right. release of the egg. And okay. the way it all sets up, that's, that's the most effective. And that's one of the things that's interesting. If you've got teenagers that are anywhere near the world of uh, being sexually active, um, there's important information to talk to them about. Condoms are not fail-safe. Diaphragms are not fail-safe. They definitely don't always cover STDs. But condoms are like 97 98% effective. So there's still a chance, even with protection, you end up pregnant or with an STD. So that's a funny one to go back to the other question that said, even if you use two condoms, do you have more protection? (laughs) how how if you double them up how is that not extra protection you know one has a hole and the other one doesn't true but that's kind of funny that is just throwing that out there. i get you okay so to have an answer question number 10 last one can you get pregnant during period sex so a woman is on her period is it possible to get pregnant while she's on her period and you have sex well, as a female, I feel like I should know this. It's not as likely, but I'm not going to say you can't. I would say, yes, you can. And that would be correct. You absolutely can. And the reason that can happen is because sperm can still do what sperm does, which is heads up the, the, the cervix into the uterus and up into the fallopian tubes 
and hangs out until the next egg. It could survive that long until the next egg. Okay. So it is possible okay. that that can happen. Just not as likely. Right. right. It's, it's but, not going to be high up the scale, yep. but it is possible. All right. So, well I, done. All right. I, I feel a little more secure in my uh, sexuality now. <laughs> I got a few of those right. <laughs> you absolutely did. That was, that was well done. Uh, we should have kept track. That's kind of lame on us to not even keep track of how'd you do. I think you lost, like, I think you missed like four. It's something like that. That's still a failing grade. Well, 60 D's get degrees, baby. <laughs> not in my world. <laughs> All right. So, switching gears. Uh, this is an email that came in over the summer from one of the members of the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation. So it's a husband that uh, has a, there's a couple different questions built into this. All right. So we'll, we'll try to unpack this as best we can in the time we've got today. Okay. So I happened upon your podcast about a month or so ago and got my wife hooked as well. We try to listen together. So we haven't been able to listen and catch up as fast as we'd like because it sounds like they're trying to do this journey in the sexy marriage radio nation together okay we've listened to one episode where the one of the ladies that emailed in has pcos which is polycystic ovary syndrome and lower desire for sex but a higher desire for kids so due to infertility which is common with those with pco they struggled conceiving and thus wanted to adopt the guy and what he listened to earlier didn't want to do so without a good chance for his own flesh and blood kids so that resonates with this emailer. Okay. Right, that message. Mm-hmm. So here's about them. They've been married. They're a married couple. Been married almost three years. They've been best friends for over 10, and they were engaged for a year before they got married, and all of it's been great. They've had their disagreements, but always work through them together, and they believe that once married, divorce isn't even an option or a word spoken. They both consider themselves on the leader side of the way they do life, in relationship, but according to the health charts, we are also both somewhat morbidly to dangerously obese. I've tried to lose weight and have been able to keep off about 40 pounds for over a year now, but have plateaued. My wife has struggled and was doing well, but due to her PCO the high and high blood yeast content, and she keeps struggling to say no to lifestyle changes, she now feels that it's her fault that we can't have kids. Doctor have told us that we could do fertility treatments, but would have a very high risk rate. If we lose the weight, it would increase our chances of our own and lower the risks by a ton. He's the higher desire for sex, and she struggles, so she's the lower desire. Thus, he doesn't want to bring up anything about sex. It's hard for him because it's of her reactions. Mm-hmm. Okay, So... Now she is struggling with her and my desire for a child and children to have our own, but there's no sex and there's no losing of the weight. She sees me eating salads and doing good, saying no to food, etc. but she goes out to eat or craves the bad. So what do I do? We're not financially able to adopt and fertility treatments would be a waste if there's no sex and there's no weight change because it doesn't change the risk right. factor. Right. Because that's another factor that goes along with the PCO is even if infertility is an issue with it. But even if you do have something that overcomes infertility, it's a high-risk pregnancy. Okay. It's a greater chance of miscarriage. Right. So he also wants adoption at the last resort, but 
deep down he wants his own child first and foremost. So what do I do? I desire my wife and love her whatever weight she is, and I see her struggle in her own skin, and yes, desire her, but also desire her to be happy with herself. I don't enable her, so don't get me wrong there. Just I'm not the controlling husband type either. We're a team, and I see her feel alone on this, and that results in me feeling alone too. Help. Mm. Yeah, that's a, this is a tougher one yeah. of just some of the things that really do impact us in life and marriage. Yeah. That when we get into these identity, w- uh, lifelong struggle, things that play out mm-hmm. in our relationship, but also are playing out individually. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so it is, it is a real struggle. And so there's two things I want to frame this conversation with. Okay. Okay. Because one of the things we have said in the past with Sexy Marriage Radio, and one of my beliefs that I have is that marriage forces us to live and love on life's terms. That's a factor we cannot get around. Okay. Okay. Because this is playing out where the struggles you've got individually are playing out relationally and vice versa. Mm-hmm. That's just the natural dynamic of a marriage. Yeah. That's why I can have couples come into my office, explain what's going on, and quickly into their explanation, I can look at them and say, what else? Because what you're describing is what's supposed to happen. It's going to happen in marriage, mm-hmm. that kind of a struggle. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that this thing does is it helps us or it pushes us to decide what will I do for the sake of my relationship and what will I not do for the sake of my relationship and for myself, mm-hmm. right? So this is the whole framework of a gridlock, right? And, okay. Keep, Keep going. Go- no, you're, you're, you had something to you just- You throw up the word gridlock, and it's interesting because I typically think of the word gridlock as being used as a cup. Uh, each spouse in a marriage has a different idea of what they want, right? And in this scenario, it sounds like they both want the same. It's just that one- potentially on the what they're eating and mm-hmm. losing weight just doesn't okay can't mentally get there to to okay. make the leap to get there so do you call that gridlock absolutely thanks for that that's framing it perfectly pam because to me what you're saying is they both want the same thing so therefore there shouldn't be a gridlock but do they do the same thing that's in line with what they say they both want no no there's the gridlock okay and and it's also going on gridlock individually as well. Yeah. Because I have to start looking at when that's the thing about a gridlock right there is if I'm if I'm in a relationship with somebody and what I want is blocked by what they want or do, it forces me to have to come to grips with how do I make sense of it internally too, not mm-hmm. just relationally. Mm-hmm. And that's where this whole thing lands to me. So that's where you frame it more to help navigate gridlocks, you start to boil it down to two choice dilemmas. Because hers is pretty clear from what he's describing. I have the desire for a child yeah. and the struggle with my weight. And those two completely interrelate to each other right now. Uh, totally. In yeah. the way, in the way it's being the described, yeah. right? Because weight is impacting fertility, the, the fertility and the possibilities. Mm-hmm. So... I have to start to examine if I want to choose to not look at the desi- my lifestyle choices when it comes to weight and the different options that might be available to me with any kind of a system, program, diet, whatever that's available. Right. Trainer, nutritionist, <clears throat> right. whatever. Because, I mean, 
I understand, we both understand in the ways we live, in the world we live in right now, especially in here in the Western culture, if you want to try to really have a healthier lifestyle, the deck stacked against you from society. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It is easy to be unhealthy. It is. And so there is, that's a harder thing that comes into self-discipline and my determination and my consistency. There's a lot that's involved with that. Mm -hmm. And so that's being weighed against how much do I really want a child? Mm -hmm. And so this is trying to look at it on which, there's my dilemma. How do I frame it to make a cleaner choice? Because a lot of times we don't, as humans, tell me if I'm wrong with this, Pam, and the way the way I'm coming, saying this or thinking okay. through this. Okay. Don't we get into this point where I've got a difficult choice, if I think about it, and I really don't really want to do either, so I can just easily, more easily kind of take the stance of, yeah, well, I just can't. I'm just, you know, I just kind of throw my hands up. Okay. In this scenario, how what are you saying... The two choices are. Well, in this scenario, it's about the idea of how do I, the, the struggle to have to be on a plan to help me lose the weight. Right. And be consistent about that because that's not just a one-time choice. That's right. a daily moment-by-moment -moment choice versus the desire to have a child, which still has work involved because I have to look at what are the steps that are available that mm -hmm. I'd have to do to be interested in having it to really make that mm -hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there's this element of and he's the way he's framing it is her lower desire for sex seems to be the barrier for their, you know, that's another hurdle that it's they have hurdle. to look I'd, at. It's a hurdle. I don't see that being a barrier at all. I don't either. It's 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 the way and how she's viewing herself. Mm -hmm. Right. And. That's a bigger piece. The um, low desire sexually can be overcome, can be worked with. The harder piece is her dealing with herself. Right. She's going to have to confront her own identity, her own value, her own validation yeah. of, of who she is as a person and how does she grow into comfort in her own skin mm -hmm. more to be able to start to examine Okay, what are my habits? How are they tied to things? Because that's the one thing. We do things for a reason. Yeah. Just for pure theory of from the behavioralist lens, all behavior is purposeful. And so there's it, it provides something. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to do something because of the pleasure it could provide, or it helps me avoid the pain, or it medic medicates something, or it mitigates something, you know. So there's all kinds of reasons why we do it. And do I have the courage to step back and start to examine why do I choose what I do? Yeah. Why do I do it? Because until I can get into the meaning arena, it's really harder because then you're just talking about willpower mm -hmm. and willpower is a muscle and it gets tired too every day. It totally does. But to the man that, to the husband that emailed in, because he's the one asking for the help. I want to yeah. spend just a few minutes with him okay? because he's got a gridlock of birth child versus adoptive child. Mm -hmm. What's the meaning of that? Yeah, that's a tough one. That if they had the resources available to adopt, does that make it easy for him? No, none of this stuff is easy. No. But it's starting to examine, how do I attach, what do I attach to it? Am I less 
of a husband or father if my child is not a blood child of mine? No. No. You're still a father. You still play an incredibly important role in somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. And you can still be that. And so that comes down again, just like your wife, sir. That's an identity issue for you. Mm-hmm. How do you see who you are and can you expand it to add in another lens or another characteristic that maybe you hadn't had prior? Mm-hmm. And that then is tied to identity that's much more flexible because we get so caught in this idea where a gridlock starts to play itself out the most. It's when I don't have much flexibility with my identity. That's why I dig my heels on. I know I'd have to have it this way. This is the only way I want it. Rather than I start to examine, yeah, but I could shift it this way and I'm still good, if not better. You could. If if you're at the point where you're not going to shift it, though, it's just like, you know what? I I want my bloodline and I'm not going to feel the same about an adopted child. Well, don't adopt. True. Right? So True. And that's, come, that's again, coming are, down to tougher choices. Those are really hard things to think about when you're in this scenario. I mean, how, how, how will you react? How do you feel about that? How important is having that child mm-hmm. to you? And I think there is a better differentiated stance to be able to make these kinds of decisions, even when they can seem kind of harsh or tough. When I can have a better resolve of, you know what, I have a concern that I wouldn't treat an adopted child the same way I would a a blood child, so therefore I'm not going to adopt. Just own that decision within yourself. It has a better resolve, and you confront the the whole other rabbit trail your brain can go. Yeah, but she's really, you know, we do all those rationalization things rather than, and this is the same thing for the wife or anybody else that struggles with habits that they're trying to change. That idea of, you know what? I realize this is my struggle. Part of self-confidence is owning my choices better. Right. Of I'm not going to go as full-on crazy depth with my diet this time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this little bit and I'm going to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And there's something powerful about when I can give myself a little grace with that. Mm-hmm and eliminate a little bit of the guilt, I start to see what really stands up, which might then lead me toward where I'm really wanting to go in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it truly is, how do I just drill into it that deep to start to see what is my dilemma and what am I avoiding choosing? Because even if it's this whole idea, because this is what we sell, we tell our children, if it's not when it comes to extracurricular activities or something, don't make your choices based on what you think we want you to do. So I would much rather have our kids come at us with, this is what I want, even if it's not in line with what we want, because then we at least get a better understanding of where each side is. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. It's just a good trait to have all of life, right? Right. And so this is happening on the marital level because he's sitting there struggling, watching his wife who struggles to live according to what they say they both want but he's like this whole i don't want to be a controlling husband i wanted to stay on my lane deal with my side eat right and that's the best thing you can do mm-hmm. in, in that regard but then you can also don't avoid the possibilities to be able to point out i thought we had this larger goal do you want to join me in this or at least tell me where you are i think that that is Perfect. It, it kind of a calling out, but 
more of a hey, we're we're in this together as a team. Right. And if you're not going to pull your part in this, where are we going with it? At least tell me so yeah. I can start adjusting to mine yeah. and adjusting my outlook and my goals and my path that I want to go on. Is that something where you would you would like if this couple's sitting in your office and he's he says I'm not a controlling person. I'm going to I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to keep eating what's right. I'm going to do this. Uh, cuz we try and purport that everybody should be able to stand on their own two feet. Right. Do you advise that the spouse comes in and says how do you how can I help you in this? Or is that encouraging someone to not stand on their own two feet? No, I think there's an element. I, the way you're framing that, Pam, makes me think uh, helping a spouse stand on their own two feet sometimes means I don't let them off the hook. Okay. That if they say, yeah, I want, I mean, you've done this with me with the different times we've gone through. Um, one of the things I love is that big old bucket of chocolate chip cookie dough that can sit in the fridge because then I can have hot chocolate chip cookies any evening or throughout every the evening, day. Every people, every evening. She not wrong. Just saying. Um, but there's an element of if I'm like, if I'll say to you, you know, I'd really like to lose 10 pounds. And then you see me making chocolate chip cookies every evening. And then you coming at me going, okay, there's a disconnect with what you're saying and what you're doing. What are you doing? What's the, what, what gives? Right. That's helping challenge, you know what, forget the 10 pounds, I want to add more 10 pounds, or at least it starts to have to look at what am I saying and what am I doing and how do those things align? Because in marriage, that plays out so cleanly. Yeah. And so there is an element of, it's not a controlling person when I call someone out with what they say versus what they do. Okay. I think a lot of times that's loving them mm-hmm. because then what you're asking for is not Hey, tell me this. I thought you think, you know, because we can come at it as a browbeating side of it. But instead, if I come at it as explain to me, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Because if you want to change your path, give me the data so I know where you're heading to. Mm -hmm. And then I can be a support and an ally in that. It's an integrity thing, too, right? If I say I want to go one direction and I'm going the other and you're the spouse sitting there on on the sideline watching that. um. uh, That can be frustrating as a spouse. But I think that is one of the most loving things that can happen to where I take my marriage to a better level by being able to call out what I see from a standpoint of love, Mm -hmm. but not a controlling, this is what you need to do because this is what I think you need to do. I'm using the data you've given me to help you be a better you. Yeah, That's the whole goal. And what I would hope my spouse would do the same in kind. Well, Pam, as we end this episode, um, I can't help but have a little bit of a selfish thought yeah. and think, sweet, I'm married to a sexpert. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I missed a couple of those on there, so we'll have to do this again later and see if I can get 100%. We, we will. I'm just more concerned about do you get 100% in other areas, so... <laughs> This has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Whatever you've been doing and however you've been doing it to listen to us each and every week, thank you so much for being part of the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation. If you like what's going on here, let us know. 
702-956-5. Feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. So we'll see you next time.